Well, God has been faithful, in fact. Uh, we, Lynn and I had that him in our wedding uh, some, like three or four years ago or so, you know, 30 years ago. But God's been faithful to Kim and Clinton's sides because on this very day, 40 years ago, they were married. Where are you, sides? There they are right there. 40 years ago, 1980, right? Wow, that's awesome. I did my arithmetic there. You see that? 1980. When uh, we're going through difficult times, though, um, not celebration, but just painful times, what is the first thing we do? First thing we ought to do is what? Cry out to God in prayer and discover anew that he is a faithful God. And we have good reason to call out to him because Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, or it'll be on the screen up here, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 11. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given, Jesus said. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God gives good gifts. Now, kids, if, imagine your parents were to take you to McDonald's and you said, you get anything you want, and one of you ordered a fish, filet of fish, another one ordered egg McMuffin, other chicken McNuggets, Happy Meal, and you're so excited, but when Dad's bringing the food back, he, he dumps it all in the garbage without you seeing, and he replaces in your boxes a spider and a snake, and you open it, and you see a spider and a snake. You think, Dad, have you lost your mind? Are you off your rocker? A good dad wouldn't do that. A good dad would bring back uh, the food and even pay for it and give it to you. Well, God, Jesus said, uh, our Heavenly Father would not give us scorpion and snake. Uh, snakes if we ask for egg or fish. This reminded me of a story of when I took my youth group to, I think, Wilson Lake. Uh, when I was a youth pastor in Salina, and we hopped in the van, and, and um, we just took our sleeping bags because we intended to spend the night after swimming all day, and and so we did, but we didn't have sleeping bags, so, I mean a tent, and so we just laid our sleeping bags on the ground and looked up in the beautiful sky and the stars, and we started to doze off. But then we were startled awake when a man with a flashlight, Ranger, came by and said, who's in charge here? And I said, he said, come here a minute. And so I got out of my sleeping bag, and he whispered, he said, I don't want me to alarm you, but uh, this park has poisonous scorpions that come out at night and sometimes snakes. Really, he said that. And so I did what any responsible youth pastor would do. I, I ran to the van, and I prayed for the students as they slept all night. <laughs> Actually, I announced to the students uh, that, you know, there, there could be scorpions here, and so some of them got in the van, others said, who cares? And so I actually stayed outside with them, and every hour on the hour, I shook them, are you still alive? And it really, I didn't get much sleep that night. But there's good news. We have a Heavenly Father who hears our prayers 
And he desires to give us good gifts, not poisonous scorpions or snakes. But when we ask of God and when we pray to him, sometimes his answer will be an immediate yes. I've been waiting for you to ask. Yes, here it is. God bless you. Or I bless you. (laughs) Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's slow. And sometimes it's go. Say that with me. Yes, no, slow, go, grow. Not go, grow. Yes, no, slow, grow. And, and the, the no is obviously, I have something better for you. And, and we all have stories of how we prayed, but God didn't answer them, but instead gave us some, something better. And that something better was Lynn, because, you know, he made me wait for a long time uh, to find someone like Lynn. Um, and uh, sometimes it's slow, though. And slow is, uh, I'm going to give you what you're praying for, Uh, but my provision will not come yet. It'll come later. And other times, it's grow. This gift that I have for you may not come in the way that you expect, may not come in the way that you desire, but I know what I'm doing, God says. And through the process, although it may be painful to wait, you'll grow through this. After all, when we grow, we want to become like Jesus, right? And that's the ultimate goal in life. And how many have been praying for something or someone but have not yet experienced that answer to prayer? Yes? We can all raise our hands on that one. We've all experienced that. For example, when will this pandemic ever be over and when will life resume to how we used to know it? Um, And will it return, this pandemic? Or when will I get to visit my mother who is stuck in a nursing home and I haven't been able to see her? because she's been through the glass only, not face-to-face? Or when will I get a job? How, will I, how, how long will it take for me to pay these bills? Or when will I find a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife? Or when will my anxiety ever diminish, Lord, and this depression, when will that lift? And when will my loneliness uh, leave and I find a good friend? Or when will my marriage be healed? Or when will my health return? For people of color, they might be, they've been praying for a long time. When will we experience, uh, when, when will there be life when we don't experience racial discrimination? Or for police officers, especially recently, when will these unfair accusations stop against us? Or, or for those who are persecuted in other nations, in prison, put to death, when will this religious persecution end and we can live in peace? How long, O oh Lord? How long? And so I changed my sermon on Tuesday of this week. It was going to be something else, and the Lord kept impressing on my mind how long, how long, how long? And I was even feeling it myself. And so I Googled how long, or actually I put that phrase in my Bible app in tons of verses just uh, showed up right there. How long, O Lord? And we've read a couple of them. For Job, how long before my friends will ever stop accusing me of sin in my life for my suffering? Or for Noah and his family, how long uh, will it take to build this ark? How long before you bring the flood on? Or for Moses, how many more years that we have to wander in this wilderness before we can experience the promised land? 
Or for David, when will my enemies ever stop pursuing me? How long before I assume the throne that you have promised? How long, O Lord? Psalm 6, my soul is in deep anguish, David said. How long, Lord, how long? Psalm 13, how long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Psalm 74, how long will the enemy mock you, God? Will the foe revile your name forever? And sometimes our prayers to God are directed to people as well. On behalf, How long will you torment me, Job asked, and crush me with your words? It was spoken in regards to his friends, especially Bildad, who kept giving him bad advice in his suffering. Or in Psalm 4-2, How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love your delusions and seek false gods? Well, fortunately, we have a God who will not hand us scorpions or poisonous snakes. But that's an odd example. Why would Jesus use snakes and scorpions when fish and egg were asked? You know, I can think of better examples and illustration than that. Well, one chapter earlier, you will recall that Jesus sent out the 72 without purses and bags and sent them out to be his witnesses, to preach that the kingdom of God is, is here and, and to heal people. And we read in Luke 10, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven and I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So Jesus is saying snakes and scorpions, they're just not bad presents and gifts. They represent evil and satanic activity and demonic powers. And so when Jesus used these two diabolical things, he, he was saying, when I hear your prayers and answer them, I'm not going to give you evil. I'm going to give you good gifts. I'm going to give you my spirit. But from our perspective, when we pray and we just hear silence, from our perspective, it may appear that God is just turning his face to us or that he's giving us bad things when we're asking for good things. From our perspective, it seems that way. We pray for the virus to dissipate, but it continues to linger month after month, or at least in the news. We pray for healing for someone, and they die. We pray for a marriage to be restored, but it gets worse. We pray for the salvation of a loved one, and they continue to wander in the wilderness. We pray for our prodigal child to come home, and they are still gone and disappeared. How long, O oh Lord, will my suffering continue? And why, Lord, do you answer no, slow, and grow when it's within your power to answer yes? I don't know what the answer is because I don't know the mind of God. Who can understand the mind of God? He may have many reasons, but one thing I do know 
I do know that God will work all things out for the good for those who love him. I do know that whatever Satan tries to throw at us, God will use it. He'll recycle it and use it for good. And he will lead us according to his paths for these three reasons. He will refine us, he'll restore us, and he will realign us. And that's the remainder of the sermon. He will refine us, first of all. When our prayers are unanswered and we're praying how long, during the process, God says, I'm refining you. The goal is to become like Jesus, to be refined so that we look more and more like Jesus. And one of the oldest methods for refining gold, you know this, they, they found the gold in the earth or wherever they dug it up, and then they throw it in the fire, and they put it on the fire in this cauldron in this pot or pan, and they heat it up, and then the gold starts to melt into liquid. And then as the liquid melts into gold, the impurities or the dross will rise to the top. And so the craftsman will be there over the fire, and he'll skim off the impurities and dross from the top until the pure gold is left, 100% pure gold. And it hardens, and they, they put it in a bar form, and there you go. And that's what, uh, that's what the refining process looks like. And I just got lost in my thoughts. So, Like a master craftsman, the spirit of the living God works in us to replace that sinful dross. The dross that I've been feeling on a pretty heavy basis in the past couple of weeks. I'm not sure why now, after three months, it kind of caught up to me, I guess. And I just had a really, really heavy week. And I asked God, why, why am I feeling this? And, and I began to look within and I began to see sinfulness and impatience and unkindness and lack of faith. The dross was coming to the surface. It was coming and it was ugly and I didn't like it. During this pandemic, I think God can bring out the worst in us because the pressure's on, the heat is turned up and the dross comes to the surface. But Jesus wants to refine the fruit of his Holy Spirit in us, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So I got thinking about patience. I'm lacking patience here, God. I'm so lacking patience. I just want life to get back to normal. And, and Jesus says, I'm in control. I'm refining you. How many of you have seen kids in grocery stores or in Walmart, like the toy aisles especially, and they're throwing temper tantrums because they want something right now. And they're, I want that right now. And we see that you know, from kids, don't we? We see little kids throwing temper tantrums because they want something. But how many know that the older they get, the more mature kids get, the more they're able to put off instant gratification, right? And you can wait, you can be patient. So we rarely see grown adults like a mommy and a daddy in the grocery store and seeing daddy throwing a temper tantrum. I want to open the Oreos right now. I'm hungry. I'm hungry right now. I don't want to wait to pay. We don't see adults do that because we assume they're mature and they're older and now they're awake in church because they pounded on the pulpit. So. God is refining us. He wants to develop within us patience. And the more mature we are spiritually, the more patient and kind and unselfish we will be. 
but it's painful. Secondly, he wants to restore us. Jesus said, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead, or asks for an egg and will give him a scorpion? I also believe that Jesus used the illustration of snakes and scorpions because these creatures are found where? In deserts and in wilderness experiences. And when we're waiting for God to answer our prayers, it can feel like we're walking through a long desert or wilderness experience. Think of Anna, who prayed in the temple courts to see the, the Messiah. Decade after decade, she fasted and prayed, and finally, she got to hold the baby Jesus. Think of the woman who knocked and knocked at midnight in Luke 11. Or think of Joseph, who was sold into slavery to the Egyptians, or Midianites, or whatever, and taken to Egypt, and rejected by his brothers, and sat in prison for years, and served as a servant, or as a slave even, before I don't know how many years it was, like 11, 12 years before he was raised up into prominence in Egypt. And it was 22 years before he was able to see his brothers once again face to face. 22 years. And we're complaining that we've been out of commission for three months. And he sat in a prison cell for, I don't know, two or three years of that time, wondering what the heck is happening to me, God. Why are you allowing this? Where are you? How long, O oh Lord? And yet, again, it's only been weeks for us. But yet we know that, that God was restoring Joseph and raising him up to a place of prominence where he will literally save the nation of Israel. On the other hand, those who live in a world of comfort and provision don't have to trek through the desert in wilderness experiences to get risk snake bites or scorpion infections. And when Jesus instructed his disciples to ask, seek, and pray, he used the imperfect te text tense, which means keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and then the door will be open. Jack Levison said that there are examples of people who were praying in the Bible, walking through the wilderness of despair and rejection and divine silence. But these are the ones who came to know God intimately through the process of waiting. In the medieval times, St. John of the Cross coined the phrase, the dark night of the soul, when he's speaking of processes like this. The way to God often looks dark, desolate, and terrifying, says Jack Levison. Snakes and scorpions, all the power of the enemy, waylays the pilgrim en route to God. But if we experience a dark night of the soul, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned us or tormented us with an evil spirit, snake or scorpion. However dark and deep we go, however dire our hope, however long we must wait, we can know that the Holy Spirit remains with us every step of the way and will restore us on the far side of the desert journey. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? God's Holy Spirit will strengthen us during the journey. The Holy Spirit is with us one step at a time through the desert and wilderness. But the Holy Spirit is also given to us to guarantee that justice will prevail. 
When I think of the end times in Revelation chapter 6 and we talk about the horses and the apocalypse and the bulls and all this end times prophecy like this, we read about the fifth seal in Revelation 6. It says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. These martyrs were killed because of Jesus. And they called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? In other words, you know, I've never pictured people in heaven crying out for justice, saying, how long, O oh God? They were protesting in heaven like we protest on earth. They're saying, we want justice, God, in heaven, before the throne of God. God's saying, hey, that's legit. That's okay. Protest. You have every right to protest because of injustice. I picture people in heaven being at peace and joyful and, oh, skipping through the flowers, but no. And they're still protesting. But God says, hang in there. Your justice is coming in a little while longer. There will be others who will die for my name's sake. And then justice will be unleashed. Matthew 5, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. In other words, God will restore us. He will refine us, he will restore us, and then finally, he will realign us. What are three things that God cannot do? He cannot, can you name three things? He cannot lie. Very good, Sarah. What else can he not do? Huh? He cannot sin? And he cannot hear Jeremy speak from the back row. He can't do that either. And, and yay, there are four things, not just three. There are four things. And, and another thing he can't do is he can't divide his spirit. And the fourth thing he cannot do is he cannot be second. He cannot be second. When we put God in second or third or fourth place or in no place, then we are asking him to be a part of something that he cannot do. That's why uh, there's so much about idolatry in the Bible. The first of the Ten Commandments is, you shall have no other gods before me. When you, have, when you put another idol before me, then I can't be in it. I can't bless it. I can't. Because I can't be second. Tony Evans says, when we understand that God can't be second and therefore won't be second, it changes how we relate to him and how we prioritize him. God can't be number two. We can do many things without him being first, but not without his blessing. When we place him in first, though, we set into motion for the rest of our lives his best plan for us, his order for our lives. But God can't be second. That's sometimes why we're praying, we're thinking, God, why don't, you, why don't you help me and do this? Because I'm not first in your life. Because you haven't repented of your sin. You still have idols in your life. I cannot be second. 
During these long weeks of quarantine, I believe that God has handed us a gift and an opportunity on a platter. And that is to put him first. Be still and know that I am God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be in order, will be given to you as well. Or 2 Corinthians 7 If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I think we spend way too much time on politics, thinking that politicians will fix our nation. God says, "Uh uh-uh, it's the church. If you want your land to be healed, it begins with my church. If you repent, if you turn from your wicked ways, return to me, put me in first place, then my church will lead the way and heal the land, something that politicians cannot do or governments cannot do. Are you using this time of the virus to return to God and to get, put him in his rightful place? Or are we just waiting for life to return to normal so that we can dive once again to the frantic frenzy of our calendars and schedules and then put God on the back burner again? God says, I, I can't be there and bless your life or your church or your country. I need to be first. So God wants to realign our priorities He longs to bless us. He longs to give us good gifts. He wants to refine us and make us more like Jesus. He wants to restore us, and justice is coming. And he wants to finally realign us and set our priorities straight. So thank you, Lord, for making us wait. Even when we want things right now, like a kid in the aisle, we want things right now when we want it. We cry and we complain and we gripe. But Lord, thank you for not doing that. Thank you for disciplining us. Thank you sometimes for withholding things from us so that we could become more like Jesus. Give us patience, Lord. Produce the fruit of your spirit within us, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.